People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 510. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Pat. Pat, it's a big week for us because we're going to Disney World and it's your first trip to Disney World. It is. I've never been before. I can't believe this. You're going to have so much fun. Well, last August was the first time I had had ever even been to Florida, so... I just can't compute that somebody does not know what the Haunted Mansion is or what Space Mountain is. It just hit me because I just forget that Disneyland is like on the west coast so not accessible to everybody that you probably haven't even been to like any disney park right nope not a single one. Oh wow that's a game changer <laughs> no and prior to universal last year the only like theme park it's not even a theme park it's six flags that's the only real park he's been to that's a theme park it's an no. amusement park i mean looney tunes are there and dc stuff what ride do you think you're most excited for at disney world I honestly don't know because I just don't know them. Like Tower of Terror is the biggest one that I like know of. And then that one with the water. Um <laughs> the Splash Mountain. The water. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> so ill informed. It's so sad. Well, I feel like there's one of those water ones at every theme park you go to, so But this one's the best because it's themed, unlike that stuff at shit flags. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shitting be- flags sounds uncomfortable. It does. We'll be with my brother and mom, and it'll be a good time. And I'll share any uh, interesting stories on next week's episode. Laura, it's been an exciting week for you as well, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> this is going to be so anticlimactic, but you know, um, <laughs> victories for those of us who are in student loan debt. I recently had to recertify my income driven repayment plan. Um, for those of you who are on these plans, you'll know that you have to actually recertify them every year. Um, because it's based off of a percentage of your um, discretionary income. So they basically just look at all of your earnings for the last year, every 12 months, and see if you've made more money so that they can increase what you owe them. Um, Lucky me, I owe approximately $1 less every month for the next 12 months. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I, You know, there's so many things I can do with that $12. So wait, does that mean they looked at, at, at your situation and they realized you're making less? I don't, I don't understand it <laughs> because I actually made a little bit more. But mm. I know that more goes into the calculation than just what you're making. I think it also has to do with like your percentage increases year to year. So if I had made a significant amount of money more than what I was making last year, then I probably would have ended up owing more. And I was actually kind of afraid that was what was going to happen. But for whatever, whatever reason, I ended up going from owing two ninety five sixty three per month to two ninety four sixty three per month. So what are you going to do with that extra $12 a year? See, I really don't know. And that's why I went to the internet for help. Um, What am I going to do with this wealth of cash that I now have available to me? Um, And we actually posted it on the millennial Twitter to get some suggestions from folks. Um, First of all, I see Andrew, you replied and said that I should mail you a hot brown. Yeah, once a year. I think that would be about 12 bucks. 
Yeah, to to buy and pay for the postage. I don't think you can send perishable things in the mail, though. Well, yeah, but you do what I do. You lie when they ask you if it's perishable. Yeah, but can't you get fined if they catch you? Just say you were mailing it for a friend. You didn't realize it was a hot brown you were mailing. Yeah, I don't I don't want to end up losing money <laughs> throughout this. It's um, worth it, Laura. Colt, Colt Jones, I think that's their name, said, Amazon has super cute baby group planners for $6. They are really cute. I might, yeah, I might but that's get... not as cool as a hot brown. Eh. How, how about our friend Sarah? She said, yeah. donate to Planned Parenthood in Pence's name. That is a wonderful recommendation, and I'm taking it under serious consideration, especially considering the fact that um, the Georgia State Legislature just passed one of those stupid heartbeat bills in the middle of the night last Ooh. week. So, yeah. Might be doing that. Amanda says I should buy half a slice of avocado toast. That sounds about right. Sarah wants me to buy lube. Different Sarah. Um, wow. Of course, I'm sure Sarah Steelman is also in supportive of lube, um, or is also in support of lube. Uh, and then Jaime says donate <laughs> donate it towards my student loan payment. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but no. Um, and then D says to buy an extra red panda onesie for Mark. Andrew, you what? bought that onesie for me. How much yeah. was it? How much was it? Well, it was from Amazon, so it was pretty cheap. Um, it was less than $20. I know that. Well, maybe I spent a little more on you because you're worth it. You broke the secret Santa rules? Yeah, actually, this shit was 35 bucks. Andrew. Oh, because my God. It was to create a show moment. I am shook. It was so worth it for that moment. If you want to send me like $15 back, no. to call it even. No, that's okay. Well, you have an extra almost $15 a year now. <laughs> you have an extra almost $15. <laughs> we all saw Captain Marvel over yeah. the past weeks. Uh, Pam, what did you think? Um, I enjoyed it, actually. I wasn't really going in expecting too much because I don't know too much about Captain Marvel and uh, the origin story there. So it was it was interesting. You don't sound as excited as Laura. <laughs> I'm trying like to it. contain the excitement. <laughs> I was, you, you know like what? Um, I, I mean, I feel bad saying this, and this is not the only thing I enjoyed, but I was really, really impressed by the music they included. It was so good. Yeah. Was the, really soundtrack good. Was really awesome. the soundtrack was awesome. I liked other things, too, but I really liked the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Everybody's internal 90s kid was, like, mm-hmm. grooving the fuck out in that theater. It was awesome. Um, no, I mean, I'll I'll talk about my experience. I really quite liked it. Um, I went into it kind of with an open mind because I was like, this is a relatively new-ish character in the Marvel Universe anyhow. Um, and... I was curious to see how she was going to fit into the timeline of this like 10 years worth of movies in which she's never been present. I have to say, I thought it was a really solid origin story. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Is it the best Marvel movie? No, but I mean, Mm -hmm. neither. I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like every single time a Marvel movie comes out, it gets a lot of fanfare. Like this is the best Marvel movie. And I don't really feel that way when I see them, generally speaking. Um, But loved as as an origin story. Um, The writing was great. 
I also loved the chemistry between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. They played off of each other so perfectly. And my only real gripe about it, and it's a gripe that I have with all of these Marvel movies, is that sometimes there's a moment of character development that's really significant and that gets glossed over really quickly. I'm not going to go into it here because I don't want to spoil anybody, but... I feel like every Marvel movie has one of these where like a character all of a sudden gets on board with something that's really outlandish and you're like, oh, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> We're doing this now. Okay. Um, so there there was one of those moments in this movie, but it's also a comic book movie. So I'm like not taking it that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I felt like it was like one of the beginning Marvel movies in the series, like the first Iron Man, maybe the second one, but also like the first Captain America. It had that kind of that vibe to it in the way that it was shot. It's definitely shot in a way that makes it feel like it's from the 90s, but also it fits in with those early movies. I was surprised by how big of a role Nick Fury had. And it was really a Nick Fury origin story, too. Like you find out why he has the eye patch, which was pretty interesting. And it was basically a whole Avenger origin story by the end of the movie. Yeah, I was not expecting that. that. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, I didn't really care for like the first half hour because that part was set in space. And I'm just not a science fiction person. So um, once they got down to Earth and stayed there for the most part, I was into it. It made $153 million in the U.S. over the opening weekend, which makes it the seventh largest Marvel opening weekend ever. This is the 21st Marvel film, by the way, which is crazy to think about. That's a, I was thinking about doing a Marvel rewatch before Endgame, and that is, sounds a little daunting now that you're saying I know. it's the 21st Marvel film. I was also wondering if there was, you know how like everybody talks about the machete order for Star Wars? where like part of it is instead of watching it chronologically, you watch some parts as flashbacks. If anybody has an alternative Marvel film um, order that makes more sense than chronologically released, I would be down to see your list because I'm thinking about doing it that way instead. Oh my God, Pam, I can already hear Mark writing his list down Um, as soon as he hears this. You know what, Mark is speaking to my soul, so you just tell him to uh, slide into my DMs with that list and I will... Don't forget the scene in Captain America, the first Avenger. Very critical to the overarching storyline. Yeah, tell him I want um, justification, so... (laughs) And anything I can skip. Okay, um, I can think of a couple that you could probably skip. Yeah, like the Incredible Hulk. And like, yeah. I mean, I thought Ant Man was fun, but oh yeah, probably yeah. Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think he'd be happy to provide supporting detail. Perfect. Yeah, he's a good friend. Do they consider the Hulk movies as part of like these twenty first, like twenty one? I think the one with Edward Norton, yes, but maybe not the one with Eric Bana. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Our ghost one one two who's listening live on Patreon says, "I got you, Pam. I can send you a list." Thanks, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to talk about an experience that I had in the movie theater where I went, like, I felt my mind, like, zooming back to my teacher days. <laughs> it was like a reflex. It just happened without my even realizing it. So in the theater, there was this group of, you know, five nerdish dudes in their 30s. 
Um, and they were so excited for this movie, which I loved. They were hooting and hollering through the whole thing, like really clearly enjoying the movie. And I was like, oh, this is awesome, especially given all the criticism that Brie Larson has gotten because she possesses a vagina. Um, I was really glad to see see like a strong contingent of male support amongst the fan base there. But then these dudes get up and start leaving the theater and they have left all of their garbage all over the place. And I'm not talking like wrappers. I'm talking half full buckets of popcorn, half full drinks, entire containers of shit just laying on the floor, laying on the seats. And they start walking away from it. And before I could stop myself, the words just tumbled out of my mouth. I was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And they all just looked at me weird and then turned and shuffled out of the theater. And so I stayed behind and cleaned up all of their shit. And then my whole group exited the theater and were standing outside waiting for me like, what is she doing? And I came out with this like armload of theater (laughs) debris. Clean up after yourself. We live in a fucking society. Right? Laura, laying down the law. Well, I know Pat agrees with you. We remember last year on the show, Pat and I got into a disagreement about this because I am one of those people. I leave the trash there because there are people who come in after we depart to clean the theater. Yes. You know why those people come in to clean? (laughs) Because of Andrew. Yeah. But isn't that part of the experience? Also, FYI, as somebody who used to work at a movie theater, they only give you a certain amount of time to clean, and most places will not you start cleaning until everybody's exited out. So if you take into account something like a Marvel movie where everybody stays until the credits are completely done rolling, that really, like, diminishes the amount of time you have to clean for the next show. Yeah. So, So, be kind. I wanted to ask about that. Do you think that movie theater employees hate Marvel movies because everybody sticks around through the credits. Uh, you know, I only worked at a, a like an art house that would never show a Marvel movie because it would like nobody would go there if they could go to a bigger theater. Uh, but I, I can guarantee that if it's the last showing of the night at like a century or an AMC, chances are they really hate the people <laughs> that have to stay. They, they don't hate them. They hate Marvel for putting the yeah. last credit. I said to Pat the on the way out, uh, they may they must hate us because they had to wait for us just to watch a cat throw up. No Sometimes- spoilers, Andrew. <laughs> I will say that I, I didn't stay for that scene because I went to an early bird showing like the grandma I am at like 11 and there were not very many people in my theater and everybody left after the... Um, the first end credit scene, and then I kind of felt a little uh, guilty staying when I would be the only one, so Aww. I just kind of like left because Damn. they needed to clean the. Well, they needed to clean the theater. I didn't want to. You didn't want to be the, the last nerd. On. Yeah. You should have yelled down, "Hey guys, you can come in and start cleaning. I, I just got to catch this end scene." Yeah, someone's <laughs> grandparents down there, like having to stay for me. Guys, I'm a journalist. I got to see this. <laughs> I do think. I, I also think the news had gotten out a little early that the second credit scene was really not consequential so Mm -hmm. that was probably why you're i did "Eh." google it because if it had been something that the internet was saying oh you have to see this because it's an integral part of what's coming next then i would have just you know avoided eye contact with the theater employees and stayed but since it didn't sound like it was i just kind of left and chalked it up to a loss yeah i wanted to update everybody on my teeth 
because it was well documented on this show about two years ago that I had not been to the dentist in about nine years. During my entire stay in California, my entire life in California, I did not go to a dentist until the very end. (laughs) And I was talked into it, thanks to the show, actually, and thank God, because my dentist ended up telling me I was six months away from root canals. I had cavities that were that bad. So I went to the dentist out there, got everything fixed, and then I left California. And I've been in Chicago for about a year and a half now, and I haven't gotten around to finding a dentist, but Pat and I have both spoken about, hey, we need to go see a dentist. We need to go see a dentist. Um, So I randomly texted Pat a couple weeks ago, hey, can you find a dentist for us? And he did. I ended up going before he did. And um, luckily, everything is still okay. However, one of my fillings needs to be redone. And it's one that's on the side of my tooth. Um, Apparently, it's gotten worn down the most because it's on the side of my tooth. I don't really understand how that happens. But he also wants to do a preventative filling in another tooth because (laughs) this particular tooth does not have a filling, whereas the other three do. And the nerve is really high. So he just wants to like put a protective layer on. Um, But he also did x-rays as is normal. And my wisdom teeth are so fucked. One of my wisdom teeth is straight up sideways, completely sideways facing another tooth. It's pretty normal. Have you, do you have one of these? I actually got really lucky. Um, More often than not, people's wisdom teeth are really fucked up, which is why dentists like to take them out. All of mine came in perfectly straight. Oh, jealous. I know. And it was when I, when they were looking at my wisdom teeth as a teenager before they came in, the dentist was like, yeah, you have a really big mouth. That's what mine (laughs) are like, I know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, you might have to get these taken out someday if they start hurting. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I do not want teeth you know what, though? from my mouth. Just take them. If if they tell you to take one out, just take all four out because you're not going to want to go back. That sounds fucking awful. I, I'm just saying, like, why are you going to have to recover four different times when you could just recover once? Also, right. Andrew, people used to die before the advent of dentistry because of impacted wisdom teeth. So when they're telling you that they're sideways and you need to have them out, it's not a joke. All right. Well, okay, that's a good way to put it. They said <laughs> I don't need to have them out yet, though, just if they start hurting. Yeah. They haven't, so. And that's um, pretty but, painful in and of itself, honestly. So you'll want them out if they start hurting. Yeah. Um. But so Pat hasn't been yet. But Pat, when was the last time you've been to a dentist? Um, July... <laughs> Shut the fuck of this up. year this last year of 2012 uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like Disgusting. right after i graduated college and i was still at home and then i moved here and i've just never had a reason to go i mean i know i should mm-hmm. go i've never had like a fear of dentists or anything and i've been planning on it because i've had dental insurance for five years now and i've just never used it <laughs> Pat takes good care of his teeth. He's actually one of these people who flosses every day. And by the way, I'm starting to floss every day again. <laughs> I just started again. Uh, it's such a pain in the ass. But um, so Pat flosses every day, you know, brushes, mouthwash, all that. But I think we should predict how many fillings he's going to need since he hasn't been since 2012. I'm going to say four. I'm going to say zero because I have no sensitivity. There's no spots. I brush my teeth twice, at least twice a day, sometimes three times. I floss every day. I use mouthwash. Yeah, I'm going to guess zero. I'm going to guess zero, too. 
I'm sorry, that is not possible. There's it no is, way. Yeah, he's brushing as much as he says he is. I brush that. You know much. why? Because I drank milk my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> In hindsight, my teeth should be completely fucked because I can't remember the last time I drank milk. So, and my teeth are pretty good. And it also, some to- people, it just comes down to genetics as well. Like, I exactly. am pretty persistent with my dental care, and I just have really weak teeth. Like, I brush, I floss, I use, like, the prescription mouthwash, I do all of it, and somehow it seems like every time I go to the dentist, they're like, yep, you got a cavity. Aww. I'm like, That's well, fuck me then. <laughs> I just want to say, dentist, and as I'm saying this, I'm leaning over and knocking wood floor. Um, but I've never had braces. I still have all four of my wisdom teeth because they came in when I was like 13 and apparently my mouth is big enough. So they're all there. Um, I've never had a cavity. The one, well, I did have one cavity, but it was a baby tooth. So it fell out. Um, so I feel like I have really good luck, but I also, you just never know. Well, I hope you have no cavities because if it turns out your mouth is really bad, that's going to disgust me knowing I've been making out with a disgusting mouth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for two years well all right well before we move on to some news we wanted to hear a word from a brand new millennial sponsor for hers depending on where you live getting your birth control can be more difficult than it is for an inexperienced partner to find the clitoris for hers is here to level the healthcare playing field by making access to birth control easier than ever for hers was fought for by a woman for women and is helping women across the country get convenient and affordable access to birth control. The days of booking an appointment in your red state and being forced to let some crotchety old doctor gaze up your snatch in exchange for birth control are over. For hers will match you with a physician who can, you can speak to online. If appropriate, they'll prescribe you birth control that can be delivered to your front door. I'm lucky in that I've already used telemedicine services in the past, and they are so convenient. It takes so much hassle out of my day to be able to speak to someone from the comfort of home or wherever I am for quick solutions. And For Hers puts the purchasing power back in your hands. Bundling all the costs of receiving your birth control into one low price of $30 without the need for insurance. Our listeners can get their first month of birth control from ForHers.com for just $5 right now while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. See website for full details. Go to ForHers.com slash millennial. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. ForHers.com slash millennial. A lot of people listening live at patreon.com slash millennial today. So thanks, everybody who's tuning in and sounding off on the Discord. The Discord is bumping mm-hmm. this evening. I think it's because of the the longer daylight hours. Everybody feels more awake. I know. I'm like, it's almost night here. But the fact that I can look out my window and see a little sliver of light is so nice. Me too. It's refreshing. Yeah. I actually don't have to turn the lights on because... Um, it's still going to be light when we're done. So that's really nice because when we turn the clocks back, I was forgetting to turn the light on in the room. And so by the time we were finished, I was plunged in darkness. (laughs) This is what I miss about living in California, recording Millennial while the sun was still out, always. (laughs) It's pretty nice. (laughs) Coming up in After Dark today, we're going to talk about that Michael Jackson documentary that aired on HBO. We all watched it. We all have differing opinions on it, particularly concerning the moms and how they handled the situation. 
Um, so we'll be talking about that again at, at in After Dark at patreon.com slash millennial. We also posted a new a new landy in which Laura and I were talking about testimony, Manafort sentencing. We talked a little more about Captain Marvel. We talked about a major issue currently plaguing my condo. <laughs> it's <laughs> <And> haunted. <laughs> I hope that's the only issue. I think it's going to be a lot more expensive to fix. <laughs> so that's available on Patreon as well. Shout out to our latest patrons, Alyssa and Georgia. Your support goes to paying for our mental health medications. So thank you for helping keep us stable. <laughs> no, really. That Lexapro comes in clutch every month. Yeah, I'm going to bring up Lexapro later when we're talking about your new story, Laura. I'm not happy that you <laughs> wanted to discuss this today. It's important. Breaking <sighs> news. Update news. <laughs> All right. But first, Pat, what did you want to talk about today? So I wanted to talk about um, like racism that happens in Canada and why we don't hear about it in the U.S., the reason why this has caught my attention recently is because season 11 of one of my favorite shows ever, RuPaul's Drag Race, just started a couple weeks ago. And it turns out that there is a drag queen competing on this season that has some issues that certain Virginia politicians have been having here. Um, so there's the first time we've ever had a Canadian drag queen on RuPaul's Drag Race. Her name is Brooklyn Heights. Um, and she's competing on the show currently right now. It's only in the second week. So she won the first week's challenge. And recently after the first week's challenge, all of a sudden, all these news things and stories start coming out about her because somebody who went back through her Instagram and found that in June of 2013, she had a post on, on Instagram with another drag queen who was in blackface. And she even used the hashtags, so like hashtag love, followed by hashtag blackface. And then some of her followers had some nasty comments, including, and I quote, LOL, love the darkie. Oof. Oof, God. Right, like awful, awful things. Um, since then, since everything has come out, Brooklyn Heights has released an apology that reads, um, it recently came to my attention that an old photo of me with another drag queen who is in blackface surfaced. I had posted this photo to my Instagram in 2013 and I included the hashtag blackface. This post was irresponsible on my part. It was rooted in ignorance and came from a place of naivete and privilege. So. That does, at least in my opinion, seem kind of like a genuine apology compared to some of the other ones we've heard recently. Yeah, I mean, she's owning it. Right, yeah, she, she's definitely owning it, which is great. But a part of me thinks it is just lip service because the fact that she still used the hashtags means that she was aware of what she was posting. And in a way, it's <laughs> kind of supportive of racism, even though it was five years ago. Um, this kind of thing, it just shocks me that the contestants don't get vetted better. Like, aren't there whole organizations around vetting potential television uh, personalities? And now Ru's, RuPaul's Drag Race is stuck all season because this whole thing has probably already been taped. They're stuck all season with this person who posted a picture in blackface and was well aware of what she was doing. Yeah, and she's not the only one this season with issues, which I'll get into a little bit later. Um, 
but like two weeks later now, this scandal seems to have gone away. Like nobody's really talking about it. So a part of me was like, okay, I'm just recently thinking about it. And I'm like, do we give drag queens a pass just because of who they are? Like they're always notoriously funny, use a lot of crude and vulgar humor and shock pack shock factor is a huge part of drag culture because that's what the fans want. They want the spectacle and surprises. Um, and it really doesn't matter what happens because as long as they get that, the people are going to support it. Like I have a friend in the city who's a drag queen. Her name's Dixie Lynn Cartwright. Half of her jokes when she like just has a go-to joke is saying that like, oh, my uncle touched me when I was a kid or something like that. So it's like, that's a heavy topic, but she always uses it as a joke and nobody really seems to hold that against her. And I I mean, the whole thing about being a drag queen is that they push the boundaries, right? Right. And I, and I I even use that, that like disclaimer, like, ah, but she's a drag queen. So whatever, she's offensive. Cool. Um, so I'm like, this is happening now. Nothing is good. There's another queen on this season whose name is Silky Nutmeg Ganache, who <laughs> I know drag names are real out there, but she recently has sexual assault allegations against her and Islamophobia. Oh and she God. was a really big front runner this season. So now if she makes it to the top four, top three, if she ends up winning, what is that going to do for the show? Or is it just going to be, oh, she's a drag queen, push it off? Or is it just like, oh, this is gay culture and everybody is very free with sexually. So is these sexual assault allegations, are they going to be taken seriously? Well, you mentioned Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. Um, You know, we spoke about him, too, a few weeks ago. That thing is blown over and he's still governor. Right. He stuck it out and it looks like he's getting away with it. So... I think they can just stick it out and get away with it as well. It's just a reflection of how society operates. We're up in arms for a little while about something. And then as Ralph Northam is teaching us, uh, if you stick it out long enough, everybody will turn their attention away from you. Right. And then so this kind of got me thinking because I I listened to at least like I think three different podcasts about RuPaul's Drag Race and every single one of them brought up the fact like they were just like, we don't hear about racism in Canada, in the United States. We never get the news articles. There's never stuff in newspapers. There's never stuff on the news about any racist acts that happen in Canada. So we were like, or all of those hosts, you put that question out. Is it just treated differently in Canada? Does it happen as often in Canada? Um, Cause I was thinking about it and I know like I'm a white guy in chicago but i hear all the stuff that happens here but i don't hear about anything happening in canada um so obviously like i'm kind of ignorant on the issue so because of that i went on to the facebook group and i asked any of the canadians in the group if they had any insight into this and i got some interesting responses um a lot of people were saying that most of the racism centers around the indigenous people, just like a lot of it does here as well. Um, but most people in Canada, they don't report any of those if they're indigenous because a lot of times nothing comes of it. Um, and then I was looking around at some articles and stuff, and it seems like 
the indigenous like rate isn't even listed in these charts. It's it, it's saying that um, there's r- racism against the black population is the highest, but nobody uh, and even lists the indigenous people. And then in, like after that, it says the religious ones of Muslim and Jew hate crimes one of the biggest differences in the racial crimes in Canada and the U S is that in Canada, they're a lot less violent, which means they aren't making a lot of the news even there a lot of the time, but also it's the difference in how the news outlets work. Where in the U S it's all the news outlets want to be the first ones where it seems to be a trend, at least in Canada, where all the Canadian news outlets are praised for being more th- thoughtful and articulate because they never rush to get it out there because they want all the facts and to be credible. Whereas here, all news is presented like Chicken Little is screaming that the sky is falling all the time. And I think that probably has mm-hmm. to do, I'm not well versed in it, but I feel like that might have to do a little bit more with the media laws that they subscribe to over there. Uh, because if media law is preventing them, especially from something that's like legal, covering something that's legal until more of the facts are, you know, um, shed light on, then that could also be a reason why. Uh, a lot of these things don't necessarily get reported. I would assume it's hard to talk about it though. When you right. Don't really yeah. Know. Um, but I would be curious about that. And I would also be curious about diversity in the news place uh, because you see that happening here in news organizations as well, where like uh, certain as- uh, parts of populations are covered in a certain way, or maybe not even covered at all based on the types of people you have working in your newsrooms, which is why it's really important to have that diversity so that you can accurately serve and cover the community that you are reporting on. Mm -hmm. Looking at the Discord, um, Elvira says, we absolutely have racism in Canada. And Griff goes on to say, speaking as a Canadian, my read of the landscape is that racism is genuinely more severe and systemic in the US than it is in Canada. Having said that, we get away with all sorts of shit because of the, quote, nice Canadian stereotype and comparisons to the US. Yeah, I can see why, like, since you're our neighbors, um, you automatically look better than us (laughs) most of the time just by virtue of proximity. Um, But Pat, I was really glad that you brought up the point about crimes against indigenous people in Canada, because there's a really good podcast I wanted to recommend based on this discussion. It's by the CBC, and it's called Someone Knows Something. And it's an investigative podcast into cases of true crime, usually murder, that occur in Canada. And they tend to look a lot into cases of indigenous people, um, especially indigenous women who are, um, you know, murdered, and then those murders are never really followed up on. So they're kind of going down the route of a lot of the other true crime podcasts of picking up older cases that didn't get, you know, their, they didn't get their justice served. Um, So definitely recommend that podcast for people who are looking for more insight into that, because I'm also pretty ignorant when it comes to like the social scape of Canada, which is embarrassing because they're right. our neighbor. <laughs> yeah. You know? But in terms of the US media here, they've got enough to report on and enough racism and violent racist attacks to report on here in the US to bother spreading to uh, coverage of our neighbors to the north. So that's why Do we you don't think do it that. would make a difference here if 
it was reported on in the U.S., or do you think it would just kind of be lost in the shuffle because we have so no. much of it here? Well, the U.S. is just really bad at international news in general. Right, because we're all self-centered. Yeah. I would say if it was continuously um, something that was reported on outside of Canada um, and it served to make Canada look bad because nobody in power was doing uh, doing anything about it, I would think that maybe it would be enough to cause a stir amongst people in power over there. But until that happens, I don't really think that, Yeah, you know, it would make much of a difference over here if it was covered just once in a while, unfortunately. because yeah, the most I had heard of it in the past was that in 2017, they said that hate crimes in Canada were up almost 50%. And a lot of people attributed that to Trump being elected, because I know other countries in Europe, a lot of hate crimes have gone up a lot since then, too. So I don't know if it's really correlated to Trump or not. But I mean, that's a solid place to start, because you also have to look at the fact that after Trump won, some crazy right wing nut jobs started getting elected in Canada, too. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. there's a whole kind of right wing swing happening in the West right now. And the US is certainly not the only place that's happening. But given our presence on the world stage, um, it doesn't really help that we're sort of like waving the racing flag like go, go, go. <laughs> like we don't need to lead other people into this mess. So yeah. I'm I'm sure we have an we have an impact. Yeah. And we're not the most I mean the best group of people to be talking about it either since none of us are from Canada or anything. But I thought it was a really interesting topic to talk about just because I the, just thinking about it for days. And I'm like, I have never heard of a news story. And look, it only got your attention because it, it started with a right. drag queen <laughs> for you. That's how it got your attention. <laughs> it began with a drag queen <laughs> and it ended in Canada. <laughs> I I uh, was not a RuPaul Drag Race fan, and then I met Pat, and he watches a lot of TV, including Drag Race. So now I'm watching it every week. Have you two ever watched it? I've caught episodes here and there, but you notoriously cannot watch reruns of Drag Race yeah. anywhere. So makes it really hard to catch up or even get started if you can't even access old episodes. I'm really glad about that because we wrote an article on Hypable about how to watch RuPaul's Drag Race online. Oh, and it and gets all such, the hits. It gets all the hits from Google. <laughs> Our article ranks high. So keep it up, Ru. <laughs> keep making it hard. I want people to come looking for no answers on Hypable. <laughs> 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 all right. So moving on to another story. This concerns all of us. This was pretty shocking. Last week in a lengthy PR speak heavy blog post, Facebook CEO... Mark Zuckerberg announced that Facebook will be switching focus to private conversations because that's what everyone's doing right now. This is incredible because Facebook for so long has always been about share, 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 share everything with all your friends, share it with the world if you want, take everything going on in your life and share it with all so we can all consume it in the newsfeed. Now, in recent years, the newsfeed has been turning into a wasteland and people have become more and more concerned about their privacy, um, thanks in part to Facebook dropping the ball on several occasions. 
So now Zuckerberg is looking at the popularity of Snapchat and WhatsApp and Messenger, and he's realized that Facebook needs to become private too. So there is a big shift that's about to happen. One big factor here has also been where are the teens? Teens text and they talk in closed down groups like on Snapchat and in private Instagram accounts. They definitely are not on Facebook posting to the newsfeed. There was one paragraph in Zuckerberg's letter that really said it all. He said, today we already see that private messaging, ephemeral stories, and small groups are by far the fastest growing areas of online communication. There are a number of reasons for this. Many people prefer the intimacy of communicating one-on-one or just a few friends. People are more cautious of having a permanent record of what they've shared, and we all expect to be able to do things like payments privately and securely. So um, we still don't know what exactly Zuckerberg plans to do with Facebook. It seems like he might transition into something like WeChat, which is China's mega popular all-in-one app. It has a billion monthly active users, and WeChat consists of private messaging, friend feeds, news feeds, peer-to-peer payments, etc. So um, I think that by focusing more on the private conversations, Facebook is going to be able to wash its hands clean of criticism over fake news. Because if we can't see it happening, <laughs> how can we criticize Facebook? So I think that's that's one issue at play here. And uh, they realize how important privacy is to everybody now. But my question for you all is, What do we want Facebook to be? (laughs) I'm not sure I want it to be one big mega app. I'm not sure that I'm going to use Facebook in the future. I really don't use it that frequently now. Um, I've kind of gotten conditioned against using it, I think, because of the fact that it's so shitty at privacy. And I don't know that I necessarily trust them to get this right Like the fact that they were never concerned about privacy and only became concerned when it became clear that Facebook was helping destroy American democracy makes me very distrustful of it as a platform. So I'm not totally sold by the motivations that Zuckerberg was talking about in his announcement. It it is pretty ironic. Yeah. That they're getting into the privacy game when they've... um, you know, have had so many slip-ups with allowing sensitive information and uh, to get out. I know that specifically with the money transaction thing that you were talking about, like, I wouldn't trust anything Facebook builds to nope. help me transfer <laughs> funds anywhere. Yeah. And that's, like, at the bottom of the totem pole, obviously, for what people would likely use it for, but... Yeah. Well, yeah. And at this point, I'm just conditioned not to actually share life updates on Facebook that frequently. Same. Like, right. I think I posted a picture from our anniversary dinner last week, but it was like a picture of a candlelit table. So nothing terribly substantive. Um, I don't, you know, I used to post a lot of life updates on it when I was younger. And everybody was sort of using Facebook as more of a like, hey, let's keep up with each other. But now I just feel like anytime I do post there, it's news commentary. There's nothing personal about that. So mm-hmm. I just don't I don't associate it as the kind of platform I want to get personal on. Yeah. Yeah. It also seems like I, I don't know, anytime that 
uh, a company wants to be the be all end all of anything, it kind of raises a lot of red flags. I don't really think that it's healthy or safe for Facebook to have such a monopoly. And it kind of seems like what they're trying to do is just be like the app that everybody goes to. And I don't know, it's convenient, but I would rather have like six different apps I use instead of just one by Facebook. Right. So you might remember that a few years ago, Facebook Messenger was built into the main Facebook app, and then they spun it off. And a lot of people were really annoyed by that. I think one of the first big changes you're going to see is that they are going to merge the Facebook app and the Messenger app again. Because like I said, WeChat, that's the big one over in China. That's got the news feed and all that and messaging within it. Um, I think another big thing is you're going to... The Facebook app right now, you open it up, it goes to the news feed by default. That may not be the case. Maybe there will be like a home screen where it can show you a bunch of um, things you can do around Facebook. The, the core focus will not be that news feed anymore. I read that China's WeChat, a lot of people think that is the operating system on their phones because mm-hmm. they just do everything within WeChat. And you're right. That is kind of scary. For me, I, I like this idea of getting away from Facebook. But however, Facebook owns Instagram. And if they merged Instagram into that into Facebook too, and there is overlap there with stories. You have fucking messenger stories, Facebook stories, Instagram stories now. It's ridiculous. If they merged all this into Facebook, I would probably be stuck using Facebook because as we've spoken about previously, Instagram is great. That's the one thing I really enjoy. I know. (laughs) And I think about all my friends who quit Facebook and navigated over to to Instagram instead. And this also does make me wonder, like, is this Facebook trying to bolster its user base? Like, they've got a pretty hefty user base in Instagram of people who aren't using Facebook. And so if they absorb Instagram, do they automatically increase their user base? And then if this is an all-encompassing app and people have to download it just in order to keep up with each other, kind of like how Facebook used to be, then it's it's sort of like forcing people's hand, like you're describing, Andrew. And that's what I find kind of disturbing about it. Fuck Facebook. <laughs> I could see them doing that, like combining everything too, because I have a number of friends that have gotten rid of Facebook, but then they keep Messenger because you're allowed to do that still. So if they were to put them all oh, together, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. then it's going to force those people who quit Facebook but kept Messenger to get back in Facebook again. Yeah. I don't even really use Facebook Messenger anymore. I was using it a lot for Hypable, but then we switched to Slack. So now I've been freed of that. I really like the Facebook Marketplace. That's where you can sell your stuff. It's like Craigslist. <laughs> but I like it better than Craigslist because you actually know who you're talking to. Whereas Craig, Craigslist, you have no clue. Yeah, the only thing I use Facebook now for is to get in touch with like estranged family members in the off chance that I actually need to contact them for anything. And that's because everybody and their mother is on Facebook now. Yeah. So like the youngins, I'm trying to stay away from where my parents hang out. Right. So like I said, we're in the early days of this transition here, but something is going to be happening and there's going to be a lot less sharing to the newsfeed for reasons uh, as, as how Laura was describing. And I agree with you, Laura. I have been making less personal posts on Facebook as well because I don't feel the urge to do that anymore. And this part goes to Mark Zuckerberg's point. I want to keep my stuff private. 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, part of it is because I don't trust Facebook, but also is just I inherently don't feel the desire to do that. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I can't I can't decide if it's because like all the old people found Facebook and now like I have all <laughs> these family members that I was forced into friending that I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. really want you to see my life, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that may be where it started. Maybe Facebook's first mistake was allowing people without university emails to get on that's Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah and i was thinking about it as i was reading some of these articles where i was like even three years ago like our vacation out to vegas i would have posted every single picture we took in an album and now i'm like "Mm, nope don't want to do that don't want to put it anywhere like i want to keep it for myself i don't need every but like to put it on there just for likes It's definitely an interesting cultural shift because as an age group, I feel like I'm seeing us go from this, from one extreme, which is I must chronicle and document every moment of my life to show everyone how great my life is, to now being a little more wary Mm -hmm. of doing that. Yeah, I go through almost every day and like to the memories on Facebook and I go and I'm like, why did I share this article? And I delete like five or six articles (laughs) every day that I shared in the past. Uh. That's a good posted, tip, actually. I used to post so much about Matt when I was in a relationship <laughs> with him. Andrew is Matt's. Like, that shit shows up every <laughs> other day in my fucking Facebook on this day thing. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, I, I kind of want everyone to go on Facebook and see what they're on this day thing. Was. Literally, um, that is one of mine. I'm sure we could all do that really How do quick. I find this? It's on the left column on desktop. It's called Memories. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say really quick while everybody does that, um, is that I think that we we were sold the idea that this was all going to be great. The idea of social media was going to be great. And it would make us all feel more connected as an online community if we shared more about ourselves. But then we all got kicked in the rear when we realized that this information was not necessarily just open to the people that we wanted to see. It's also open to future employers. And that's made everybody in our generation weary. So, yeah. There's that. And you also go through the news feed and you get jealous of your friends or you think you're doing something wrong because you only read everybody's highlight reel. So you feel like shit. You're like, why am I not celebrating things all the time? Like, like it looks like everybody else is in my news feed. So five years, six years ago, I was at Pixar. That's not that oh, bad. Show off. <laughs> um, See, I read that. And I get jealous. Oh, wait, and wait, I think wait, my life. Six, six years ago, I also pimped out your Hobbit um interviews andrew so yeah i got that go. in my feed too i i bragged about interviewing martin freeman on video yeah i think i re reposted that whatever you do on facebook i reshared it and that's it <laughs> how about this one march 11th 2009 andrew sims thinks it's not a hill it's a mountain as you start out the climb <laughs> oh my god andrew <laughs> Well, I already deleted a bunch of stuff today, but ones that are left are like going to my cousin's birthday. Why well, I don't know why did I need to tell people I was going to her birthday? No reason. Um, I said, oh, piddle sticks. Don't know what that means. <laughs> Can't remember the last time I heard someone use the phrase piddle sticks. <laughs> um, so I've got three. Twelve years ago. <laughs> Makes me feel really fucking old. Um, I was tagged in one of those stupid, like, viral quizzes where people would be like, 
put your music on shuffle and then the song that you get for this one is your partner in crime or this song is like the person you'll marry like all of that (laughs) stupid shit um eight years ago i posted about the really severe earthquake in japan in 2011 which we all remember and then five years ago i posted a picture of my dog and i captioned it human Give me some of your dinner. Look at how much I suffer. <laughs> That's a classic social media post. That's I good know. content. <laughs> See, so I don't want to post any of this content now, but I like having it all. I like looking back on it. That's so. why I just use time yeah. hop, usually. That's how I feel about my live journal. I'm so glad you brought that up. Pat, what is your streak on time um, hop? Hold on. Let me pull it up. Well, five years ago, I also went platinum blonde today. Don't do that again. I want to. <laughs> Anyway, uh, 583 or 853 days. Every day for the past 853 days, he has checked time hop. That's a little wow. disturbing to me. Have you guys yeah. noticed that Instagram is also sh- showing you um, yeah. whatever you posted however many years ago? And you can repost it to your story. Right. I noticed that the other day. Yeah. Two years ago, four days ago, I was at the Harry Potter studio tour. Missed that. Mm-hmm. So. We will keep everybody up to date on what is happening with Facebook. Because like I said, big changes are afoot. I feel like we could turn this into like a post-millennium musical. Like <laughs> 525,600 time hops. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Um, I'm going to preemptively tell you to pop a Xanax. <sighs> Because we're going to have to talk about Boeing's really big problem. So those of you at home might remember that in Season 4, Episode 47, we talked about the fatal crash of Lion Air Flight, uh, of a Lion Air Flight in Indonesia that left all 189 people on board dead. Um, The aircraft in question was a Boeing 737 MAX 8. So to recap this, Boeing actually issued a safety warning concerning the aircraft's flight monitoring system, which actually contains a glitch that can cause the plane to abruptly nosedive due to miscalculating the flight data. Boeing was like, no big. Here's a manual teaching you how to override that if that happens. And a trained pilot should be able to overcome this and maintain control of the aircraft. Well, on Sunday, an Ethiopian Airlines flight crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all 157 people on board, and the aircraft in question was a Boeing 737 MAX 8. This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks so fucking bad. Um, So, like, I had so much anxiety planning this discussion out today because I was, like, thinking of all the airlines that I know that still use these planes. Um, (laughs) So, as of right now, um, investigations have not been able to link these two incidents, but the similarities between the two are really concerning. Um, Both crashes occurred minutes after takeoff and after the pilots requested an emergency return to the airport. Mm. There are around 350 of these planes in operation worldwide. Uh, Some of the airlines that we'd all be familiar with that use these are United Airlines, Air Canada, Aeromexico, Air Europa, American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Ryanair, Southwest Airlines, and Virgin Australia. Ah, you know what I didn't hear? My airline, United. Woohoo! That was the first one, Andrew. That was the first one, Andrew. Oh, fuck. 
I did check our <laughs> flights for Florida. We're not on one of those. Don't worry. Okay, good. <laughs> so what's really kind of freaking me out, though, is there's only a select, like a handful of airlines and countries that are grounding these planes. Um, so the airlines are obviously Ethiopian Airlines and then Cayman Airways as well as Mongolian Airlines are grounding all of the planes pending in further investigation. And additionally, China, Ethiopia, and Indonesia have ordered all 737 MAX aircraft in their airspace to be grounded as of Monday. As of this point, the U.S. and the FAA is offering to help Ethiopia with the investigation, but the U.S. has still not grounded these fucking planes, and neither has the U.K. or the E.U., I'm not I'm not a flying alarmist. I'm actually not a nervous flyer, but this seems like a gross oversight. Um first of all, I just want to say I'm looking at this New York Times article and you are wrong, Laura. United does not use this plane. So, I stand by my woohoo. Uh if you look at their website, they have a whole page of their customers and they've got a picture of United. Yeah, I went well, on Boeing's website today too and went to the yep. Max 8 and the United was on it as having one. Well, maybe they're not in operation yet, but anyway, um, I'm with you, Laura. <laughs> You're in they... denial. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am with you. No human being would feel comfortable flying in one of these planes right now. So they need to ground all of these planes worldwide. Frankly, Boeing should do it because it's their planes and they should say, hey, we want to make sure everybody is comfortable. We want to make sure this is not going to happen again, period. They need to ground these. Imagine if this happened tomorrow. What would happen? Everybody would have said, well, what the fuck, Boeing? Why didn't you tell us to ground the planes? On the other hand, Boeing is out here. I saw a report earlier today saying, oh, everything's fine. We still believe in this plane. (laughs) Everything should be okay. Is it going to be like a third time's the charm thing with them? Oh, God. I hope not. It's just, it's so frustrating because I remember when we talked about this story originally, we were all of the opinion of like, I don't know how I feel about Boeing's response being that we know there's a glitch, but instead of fixing it, we're just going to give you a workaround. Right. That doesn't it's like seem... putting a big band-aid on it. Yeah. And now it's happened again. And the circumstances are very similar. So it's hard not to draw parallels between these cases. Um, I'm curious, just for the panel at this point, what would any of us do if we booked a flight and learned that the aircraft we would be on is or would be the 737 MAX 8? Cancel 100 fucking percent. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And demand a refund. Yeah. I, I, I'm also ashamed to say that I never check the model. You shouldn't be ashamed by that. <laughs> I feel like well, I should now. Yeah, I never looked well, until today. Well, you shouldn't have to. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. That's a good point. And the thing, so I was curious today. I started going back through all of my flight reservations since like last November when these planes got rolled out because I was curious to see if I'd ever been on one. And I learned that my re- like my itinerary is no longer available, so I can't see if I was on one of these fucking death jets. <laughs> <Death> jet. <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. What if I came, like, what if I was within an inch of death and I just happened to have a pilot who was really good at yeah. circumventing oh this error? God. The other thing to keep in mind is that air travel is still the safest way to travel. It totally is. Even as we talk right now, there are tens of thousands of planes in the sky and every single one of those is going to land safely. This is extremely rare. Still, like when you receive negative feedback, um, you focus on this one plane. 
And it's all you can think about. So I am not looking forward to flying Thursday. Sorry, (laughs) Andrew. I'm going to have to bust out the little uh, jar of Xanax that I got like two and a half years ago and pray that stuff hasn't expired because I'll be popping a couple of those 0.5 milligram pills. (laughs) And so here's uh, the thing like, I would not be concerned unless you saw that your aircraft was one of these Max 8s. Right. Because I think our one on Thursday is a 737, but not a Max 8. Yeah. And I mean, 737s make up like most of most fleets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really wide range of aircraft. So, like, I'm not afraid of flying, but at this point, if I saw that I was going to be on one of those, I'd be like, um, not today, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting on that fucking plane. I, I mean, seriously, I don't know how anybody could be boarding one of these Max 8s right now. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be insane to willingly yeah, well, go on one. Well, you know, in China, they're not. keep them. Like, I can't believe, yeah. like, Laura was saying more people haven't recalled these. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Apparently, so this is a newish plane, and apparently, I think they're like more fuel efficient. And uh, they did this in response to Airbus releasing a new plane in the past couple of years. So, like, there's this arms race to put out the best planes possible. And I don't know, maybe the thing was a little rushed. 100% this is about money. I mean, how new is it if they also have a Max 9? I mean, I know that a lot of these Max 8s didn't actually start operation until last year. Oh. Yeah. So these are, they're fairly new planes. Um, And it just seems, I I think what I don't understand about it is like, even just from a PR standpoint, why Boeing wouldn't take this more seriously and say, listen, we still have the utmost faith in our jets. That said, What's more important here is that our passengers feel comfortable in the skies. So we're going to be grounding all of these planes and working tirelessly to figure out what the issue is and resolve it. Exactly. Like if they actually come out with a solution, like if they patch that shit and it's fixed, I'm fine with it. How can you trust that, though? Because in theory, this plane and the software was very well tested before it went into operation. So it's like, I don't know, that wouldn't really make me feel any better if they released a patch or whatever. You ride on planes every day, or not every day, but like every time you fly, you are most likely on a plane that had some kind of manufacturing issue that True. has since been rectified. And I think James even brought up last episode that when there are problems, they get fixed. Yeah, no, he brought up the really good point that when one of these, um, you know, highly rare air disasters happen, it actually has the result of making flying even safer. So that's really what we can hope for here. That said, I'm never one to be like, China is, uh, you know, I'm never one to be like, China is really leading the US in this effort. But China is leading the US in this effort. Yeah, I really hope that China doing this pressures the FAA into doing it over here. Actually, this kind of seems like something Trump would order. Like tomorrow morning, maybe he'll tweet, I've just ordered the FAA to ground all max flights. That could be like an easy win for him. You know, if he does that, it'll be the second thing he's done in 24 hours that I agree with. And I don't know if my brain can handle that. What was the first thing? Saying that we should just stay on daylight savings time and not change the clocks again. Oh, yeah. Come to California where that's probably going to happen. I love it. I thought you agreed with him on his uh, response to the Tim Apple kerfuffle. That was just stupid. So anyway, 
Sleep tight tonight. <laughs> you know, uh, before I fly on Thursday and inevitably crash, I'm going to make sure I have a clean cut face. And that will be thanks to Harry's. Harry's makes shaving an enjoyable experience. I've been using them for a few years now, and I'm, I'm never switching to anyone else. They've got high-quality razor blades and other great grooming products at a very fair price. I love Harry's because they give me a close shave, a comfortable glide, and a reliable product. Pat, you seem to enjoy making out with me, so I take it you uh, like the results I get from Harry's? Yeah, it's pretty good. Harry's founders were tired of paying up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads, flex balls, or handles that look like spaceships. Those are just tactics that the, the leading brand has used to raise prices for decades. They've fixed that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google, so if you don't take my word for it, just check out the reviews. You will see very good comments about the uh, razors. And Harry's replacement cartridges, they're just two bucks each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. And you know they believe in their product because they have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't like the shave, no problem. Let them know and you'll get a full refund. I want you to get the Harry's trial set. You're going to love them and then switch and then you're never going to go anywhere else. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get the weighted ergonomic handle. You get a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get a rich lathering shave gel and you get the travel blade cover. Listeners of our show can redeem the trial set at harrys.com M-I-L-L. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash M-I-L-L to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Pat, can you please take advantage of that offer? You have those razors that look like spaceships and uh, you're paying too much. <laughs> I mean, I do love the smell of their shaving gel, so maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, you do when you're all up in my face. What else is going on, Pam? I want to talk about Game of Thrones because we yes. got our first big trailer for season eight, which is the final season uh, about midway into last week. And I know that Laura and Pat are very big Game of Thrones fans, as am I. And I just want to chat about it and hear what you guys had to say. There's so much that's going on in this two minute trailer. What do you guys think? I had like full body chills the entire first time I watched it. Yeah, same. I kind of had to watch it once just to let myself have the experience mm-hmm. and then go back and watch it again just to like actually try and dis- dissect it a little bit. Well, you guys are probably not the only ones that have watched it multiple times. Actually, uh, it racked up a whopping 61 million views in its first 24 hours and it's kind of ballooned since then. So I think everybody's kind of obsessing over it and looking at the finer details and um, there's you know, so much, like I said, that's going on here. Did you guys have any favorite parts that you wanted to bring up? Um, I honestly think like one of the parts I got most excited for was the very, very end where you just see the White Walker horses like hoof hit the snow. Yep. I was like, damn, it's going to go down. I know. <laughs> and that's the only bit of White Walker footage we got. They yeah. like kind of left it all out, which is crazy because... Um, they left us with a really intense, um, you know, visual of the White Walker army and the Night King uh, towards the end of the past season. So 
it's very interesting that they held back on showing that side of the battle. Yeah, I'm just excited for this because I feel like they're doing a really good job of hyping up the White Walker versus Westeros angle of the show, which I think I feel like they should have been doing a better job of in prior seasons. Yeah. Like the threat was there, but it was like Jon Snow <laughs> and he was the only one who really cared about it. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, the Icy Boys do with their snow dragon. <laughs> And um, I loved, I saw the promo pictures that they put out and it showed all of the primary characters sitting on the Iron Throne in their own like sort of posters. And the very last one was the Night King sitting on the throne. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's really anybody could end up on the yeah, throne. Like anybody. It's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. I, think- and I just, I hope it's not John fucking Snow. I hate him so much. Same. I want him to die. He's so boring. Him and his da- brooding stare. Yeah. Well, and Daenerys isn't far behind him. She really annoys the shit out of me too. So really, if those two could die... I'd be so like I'd be over the moon. Do you think they'd ever kill each other accident like accidentally? I- I'm just thinking because you know one of the big things that's coming up this season is the revelation to at least John and Danny that that they're actually related very closely. Right. Well, I don't think that, I don't think she's gonna care. Right. You don't think tar- she's gonna see him as a direct threat to her lineage and, and to her like claim to the throne because. You know, her whole thing this whole time is that she's the rightful heir because of her lineage and her bloodline. But now oh, John yeah, is that's, too. That's true. I guess I was thinking about like the incest angle. Right. Um, right. I don't right. think she's going to care about that because the Targaryens fucked each other all the time. Um, I think John's going to be really squicked out by it. I think he's going to be like, you're my aunt. <laughs> right. <laughs> nah, bitch. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he's still sort of submits to her as his queen. I feel like the the trailers have kind of indicated that he is, at least in the beginning. Yeah, I think so, because he never seems to want power ever. So I think yeah. he's very good at being like, nope, you deserve this. You can have it. Yeah. It's more just because Danny's so paranoid. Like, she never takes anybody's word at face value. No, this bitch is going full Mad Queen. I'm going to predict that right now. She was showing signs of it at the end of the last season. And I think she's just going to start killing bitches in this in this new one. So yeah, well, well, we I know who Laura wants to die. Yeah, <laughs> is there seriously you guys those two don't want to die? Arya, she can't. Yeah, I know, right? I don't want I don't want Arya to die. I don't want Sa- Sansa to die. I don't want Varys to die. Yeah, Sansa um, needs a win. Honestly, yeah, man, yeah I don't want Sansa. Tyrion to die either. No. And I want Gendry to live too. Oh yep. yeah, he's great. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Miss yeah. One standout moment that I really, really liked, and I, it could have just been the editing. I don't know, but there was a moment where the dragon like flew over Arya, and just the look on her face, where you kind of remember how young she is, actually, where she's like, "Holy crap! I've been hearing about these all through my childhood growing up, and now I can actually see a fucking dragon." Yeah, Like, it just kind of lit up a little bit where she wasn't scared or anything. She was like, damn, that's awesome. 
Well, we've got a couple more months or a couple more weeks, I should say, to make predictions. The final season of Game of Thrones kicks off on April 14th. Um, is there anything you guys are really hoping we see or any final predictions you want to make? I didn't anticipate us talking about this before the season kicks back up. So it's a good time to voice those if you have them now, I think. I just want to say that I think it'll be very interesting to see how many people are going to tune in live because you said, um, what, 60 million people? Yeah, watch the trailer in the first 24 hours. The show has just been growing and growing since season seven aired. A lot of people are probably catching up on it on uh, streaming apps. It might be like Breaking Bad where it grows in popularity thanks to Netflix. Like it just goes viral on a streamer. So um, I see season seven ended it, it averaged 10 million viewers per season or per episode. I bet it's going to be a good 15 to 20 million per episode in this final season. It's the last true appointment TV show like where you have to watch live. And it's mm-hmm. so exciting, though. It, I like I, I kind of love that because everybody's experiencing it together. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen next to George R. R. Martin uh, dragging ass. <laughs> I know. That's I right. also blame him for the decline in writing in the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk about that more as um, the show airs. So it's time now for Surprise Bitch. And I have a good feeling that Kelsey is going to answer. Surprise, 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 bitch. Hello? <laughs> Hi, Kelsey. Surprise, bitch. Hi. How's Hi. it going? Good. So um, this is the first Surprise Bitch call where I actually told the person that we are going to call because we are done with waiting for people to answer. So thank you for answering so quickly. Oh, I appreciate that <laughs> because today was my day off. And so I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm so excited. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm really glad you did that. First of all, are you vaccinated? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Where do you live? <laughs> I live in Puyallup, Washington. It's like seven miles away from Tacoma, if you know where that is. And I'm like 30, 35 miles south of Seattle. Do you like it up there in the Northwest? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I mean, I've lived here basically my whole life except for college. So I'm used to the rain, (laughs) but um, I don't love the rain and how dreary it can be. But today was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Captain Marvel? I have not yet. (gasps) I thought all women were supposed to see it opening weekend. I was busy this past weekend. So I was at audition. So I wasn't able to see it. Are you the type of person who leaves their trash on the ground in a movie theater or do you take it with you on your way out? Oh, I take it out. No, I don't leave it at all. God damn it. (laughs) So we wanted to involve you in a game we're playing this week. Laura, tell us about this. So we're going to do fact or fiction. Uh, We're going to do a millennial edition. So I'm going to present some facts about millennials And you guys on the panel are going to have to say whether they are true or false. And when you take your stance, you must provide supporting details. You can't just say, oh, I think X, and then not provide a reason for why you think that. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and do the first one. Millennial workers don't job hop any more or less than their Generation X counterparts did. Fact or fiction? Hmm. I know Pat was talking about this a few weeks ago. What do you think, Pat? 
I know that's why I picked it. Um, I do want to say that it is fiction because I think we have maybe more student debt. So we'd rather nail down a job to get the loans paid off. I think it's fiction because I know with the recession and everything in the past decade and whatnot, it's been harder for us to get certain jobs. And so I know we've worked a lot more um, survival jobs and whatnot. And so I feel like most of us have gone from, you know, different survival job to different survival job, just trying to get to the career path that we actually want. So that's why I would say I think it's fiction. I'm also going to say fiction, but mostly because I think that uh, the side hustle is really popular these days as well in the millennial generation, as we, like Kelsey said, try and nail down our secure dream job. And because of that, I think that uh, a lot of people maybe job hop while they try to fund their passion projects. I'm going to say fact because we needlessly complain about everything and we probably have it just as hard as Gen X. All right. Andrew, you were correct. This is a fact. Um, This is an unfair stereotype that gets lumped onto millennials. We are not job hopping any more or less than uh, people in the generation before us. I think the difference is that with the advent of social media and the 24-hour news cycle, we're hearing about a lot of social trends day in and day out that maybe weren't discussed quite as frequently in generations past. Okay. All right. Uh, The next one. Millennial men are 10 times less likely to be veterans today than greatest generation men were in their youth. I'm going to say fact because not many of us are, not as many of us, I don't think, are serving our country. We're all a bunch of pussies who don't want to do that. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to say fact because I feel like um, it it sounds really awful to say that this generation is less patriotic, but I feel like potentially there are less people that feel as though they want to serve a country they don't fully believe in. Yeah, I was going to say fact too. (laughs) I I definitely agree. Okay. Well, you're all correct. This is a fact. Um, I will observe that Pew Research Center's reason for this is that the greatest generation had the draft, and we don't. That said, it would be really interesting to look into patriotism as uh, as a factor, but that's not something they looked at. If we had a draft today, we would all be breaking our feet. It's okay to say you have bad ankles. Yeah, Yeah, you got to get those bone spurs. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think a part of that, I think a part of that too is that it's become more prevalent that like a physical war wouldn't be happening. If there is a war between countries, it's going to end up being like more technological between the development or the developed countries at least. Uh, The next one, despite millennials identifying as less religious than the generations that came before them, they still view Christmas as a religious holiday. This is fact as fuck because we all like it to uh, take some time off. So it can be as religious as it needs to be for everybody to stop working. I'm going to say fact because I bet you most people 
still go to church on Christmas with their families as a tradition, even if they don't necessarily believe in that religion anymore. Pam, you took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) Two peas in a pod, Pat. I'm going to say fact, too, because although it's been secularized now a whole lot more than in past history, um, it did start out as a Christian holiday and like in the name of a Christian holiday. So it's definitely just ingrained in our culture in general. And so I think that's just continued to carry on with millennials as well. Um, you're all wrong. This is fiction. Ah. Um, <laughs> Great. Amongst millennials, 40% of millennials view it as a religious holiday. 43% of millennials view it as cultural compared to uh, 68% of members of the silent generation viewing it as religious and 17% viewing it as cultural. So definitely a big shift towards Christmas as a cultural holiday. Uh, next one, more millennial households are in poverty than households held by any other generation. Uh, I would say fact because student loans. Yeah, I would say fact for that reason as well. I was going to say fiction, but that that turned me over to fact. Yep. <laughs> Two words, student loans. <laughs> a part of me wants to say fiction just because we do have the side hustles to help make money. Um, I think we're more likely to live with roommates longer, like my own personal situation. Um, that helps cut down on some of the bills that we have. All right. This is actually fact. Damn. Um, due to student loans, also inflation, cost of living, and the lack of jobs that pay decent starting wages, more millennial households are in poverty. Yeah, I mean, so that I, sucks. I feel like we hear time and time again these days from people we know that everybody's just living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pat, your roommate, we hear about him from time to time, like he's got no money. And like, right. he has to decide between food and what? Rent? Laundry, yeah. Laundry, yeah. I mean, Ooh, and for the most part, I bad. live paycheck to paycheck too. It's just like, I'm budgeting it out to try to get my credit cards out of debt, which is why it's paycheck to paycheck. He's yeah. sucking off the hypeable tit too. It's draining me. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, on that note, we'll move to our last one. <laughs> Nearly... <laughs> Nearly equal shares of millennials live in urban areas, as did greats and Generation Xers when they were young. Oh, that's one. That one's tough. Yeah. Maybe fiction because there was more stock in trade professions back in the day. So that might entice other people to move, you know, away from urban areas because trade skills are valued in smaller towns as well as in urban areas. I don't know. That one's tough. I was going to say fiction just because I feel like, well, it's not like cities have grown that much more than what they are. Maybe for greats. I mean, Gen Xers are probably the same, but I feel like cities are bigger, which means that by just comparison, you're living in an urban area just because of that. Yeah. I'm going to say fact, because I think a lot of people just have this desire to live in the city or around the city. Um, even I, I was going to say fiction, but it's. I think the expense for people might be worth it in their minds. I'm going to say fact as well. 
Okay. Um, so this one was fiction. So for the silent generation, around two thirds of them lived in cities when they were younger. Um, for Generation X, it was about seven in 10. And for millennials, it's nine in 10. Wow. So we are overwhelmingly a city urban age group. Yeah, it's it's just where everybody wants to be. I mean, it's boring to Instagram from the suburbs. You got to do it from yeah, the big don't city. Instagram with the cows in the background. Stuff no. Like that. <laughs> I think it's also like a reversal of white flight. Because white flight was a, you know, it was a phenomenon for, um, I think it went for the silence and maybe like some of the boomers where they were all fleeing out to the suburbs for the reason that Pam was describing, which is like trade and vocational work. Yeah. And now that that's not true anymore, we're seeing a reversal. So yeah, yeah. I, I, for, for me personally, I just feel like I would be more bored in the suburbs. Like I literally do not know what I would do because I go home to my parents' home in the suburbs and I'm like, wow, if I lived here, I don't know what I would do. I think it's harder being a gay guy too because you want to be able to like be around other gay people. And so I got to be close to some gay bars. <laughs> yeah, I guess they don't have too many gay bars in Medford, New Jersey. Huh? They don't. I've tried <laughs> to make them gay bars, but I just get kicked out. Kelsey, thank you for joining us and thanks for your longtime support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun chatting with you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you guys called. I Not to make you guys feel old or anything, but I've been listening to you guys for literally half my life because <laughs> I started listening to MuggleCast when I was 12. So I oh remember more of my life listening to you guys than not. So I was just, I've been daydreaming about getting to talk to, talk to you guys for years now. Oh, that's, that's so, sweet. so sweet. Thank you. Since you were 12. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Hope we weren't too much of a bad influence on you. See, this is oh, why no. we never cursed on MuggleCast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank Not you. Not at all. <laughs> That's very sweet. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks again for listening and have a good night up in the yeah, Northwest. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Now that she says that, it occurs to me that I've been podcasting for half my life. Hmm. Because I'm 30. Right. And you started when you were 15? Yeah, we were like 15, 16 when MuggleCast started. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, that's when I started listening to you was when I was like 16 or 17. All right, so we have one more sponsor today. Panel, we all use delivery apps, right? Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) We talk about them here on the show from time to time. (laughs) They are game changers. It's one of those life-changing ones. Postmates. I'm absolutely sure you all are aware of on-demand delivery apps, but if you haven't tried Postmates yet, now's your chance. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service all year round. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery. 24 hours a day, 365 Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They are the largest on-demand network in the known universe with more than 25,000 partner merchants. I love Postmates because I actually find it to be the simplest delivery app. So when they came to us, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a clean interface. It's super easy to browse nearby options. So I can quickly order and get it delivered ASAP. 
Last Friday, for example, Pat and I were sitting here. What were we watching, Pat, Friday night? I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, it was Thursday night for Drag Race. Thursday night for Drag Race. We wanted to see the racist drag queen, so we said, let's order some food. <laughs> and uh, we ordered from the local mac and cheese place. The full menu was available. We picked what we wanted, and it showed up 45 minutes later. Then we had a cozy night in with our delicious mac and cheese. I want you to try Postmates. I'm going to get you food delivered at no extra cost. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now and use the code. This is the best promotional code we've had on the show yet. Hashtag. That's code hashtag (laughs) for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Try this. You're going to love getting things delivered straight to your door. You're going to get that delivery for free. Get anything you need, anytime you need. Download Postmates and save with code hashtag. And I think why they used the code hashtag is because in the uh, documentation, when we are sold to these potential products, hashtag is spelled out next to millennial. So I think all these advertisers (laughs) think our actual show spells out hashtag. So no one accidentally confuses it with pound sign millennial. Yeah, I was thinking, like, can they not input the pound sign into their system? (laughs) Show title. And no, it's it's funny because anytime I get on the calls, because they do calls to like go over ad copy and, and everything with you, and they'll be like, We have Laura from hashtag millennial. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I, I never have the heart to correct them. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm like, yep, I'm here. That's me. <laughs> well, I think it's funny too that when like Twitter first like was starting, like when I got on it, I think in well not first starting, but like 2008 or nine. My friends, like, instead of saying hashtag, we would all say, like, pound. So we'd be like, pound tacos, like, (laughs) something like that instead of hashtag. So you're the first person I've heard say that they did that. Oh, my entire, like, theater group in college, we all said pound. That's kind of amazing. That's fucking amazing. (laughs) That's true, though. I mean, the phone, we used to always say pound. And then Twitter stole that symbol from us. And what's so great about it is that our tagline is slash slash used to be the hashtag is silent. And now here are all these people saying hashtag out loud. (laughs) No, and it's funny because even when I tell people about the show, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's millennial. And then they look it up in like Spotify or iTunes or whatever. And they're like, is it hashtag millennial? Yes. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's us. Mm -hmm." But it's silent. (laughs) Time now for recommendations. Pat, what's yours? Uh, so mine is Imperfect Produce. I've been using it for, I would say, maybe like two months now. Um, it's so, so, so nice. I've saved so much money on produce, mainly for the the fact that, like the name, it's all imperfect. So it skips the whole part where it's got to be shipped to a grocery store. So it just goes from all this like weird-looking like carrots or something, which it might not even be weird. It could just be an avocado that's yep. too small or an they onion that's way too bad. big for the store. So you skip the grocery store. So everything lasts so much longer. I had a head of lettuce that lasted almost a month without wilting at all. Wow. Uh, yeah. And 
you can choose if you want just fruit, if you want just vegetables, you can choose how often you want your box, if it's once a month, every other week, once a week. Um, you can do mixed boxes, and then they have three or four different sizes of boxes that you can get too. And they've also recently just started adding in products that are like about to expire. Like you can get like um, almond beverage for it might be expiring in like a week so that you're getting it at such a low rate instead of the full price in the store. And then you just use it faster. But I love it. It saved me so much money on produce so it doesn't go to waste as fast as it does from the grocery store. Um, I've been discovering and making new meals out of it. It's fantastic. I love it because you're cutting down on food waste. You're helping Earth on a whole. I mean, this stuff would be just thrown out otherwise. So now you get to take it. And all the fruit and vegetables do look pretty good still. It's just that they don't meet that supermarket standard of utter perfection. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Pam, what's your rec? Uh, so it was raining over the weekend and I curled up with a favorite book and I thought it might be fun to recommend it to everybody listening in case you're looking for something to read. Uh, so the book is called Love is a Mixtape and it's a memoir by one of my favorite Rolling Stone writers, Rob Sheffield. And it's just this beautiful book about, you know, his life and also uh, about the life that he shared with his wife who tragically passed five years after they were married. And it's told through... Uh, the mixtapes that they both compiled together. So music as a memory is an underlying theme. And it's just, it's just a beautiful book. So it's so sweet. Yeah. My recommendation is Nintendo Switch because they have deals on Mario games right now. We just passed Mario Day, which is March 10th, M-A-R, the number 10. Get it? Get it? So um, you are able to buy a Nintendo Switch with a Mario title for a discount, you can also go on Amazon and get Super Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Party, Mario Kart, Mario of Tennis, New Super Mario Bros. U for 40 bucks a pop. So you're going to save uh, $20 per game. The reason I recommend these is because the Mario games are so damn good on Nintendo Switch. And if you've been waiting for a time to buy a Switch or buy one of these Mario games, now's your chance for Mario Day. All right. I'm going to be really boring compared to everyone else and recommend uh, Britta's water bottle. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been using one of these for the last few months, and it's really cool because the straw actually has the Brita filter built into it. So as you drink water, it's getting filtered. Ooh. Um, it's really fancy and nice. And if you're super bougie like me, you'll double filter your water because... I have I use a Brita filter like in my fridge, so when I oh my when I put, god when I put water in my bottle, it's already filtered, and then it's just I I know as I'm drinking it, it's extra filtered. Damn, that you is, are bougie. That is so <laughs> obnoxious. I know that's something Kim Kardashian would do. I know it's god damn it. I feel like an asshole now. We were out to dinner the other <laughs> night with friends, and I ordered a beer, and the waitress was like do you want a glass for your, cause it was in a can. She's like, do you want a glass for that? And I was like, Oh no, I'm not classy. I'm fine. And this friend looked me dead in the eyes and was like, Laura, you have pet insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm ashamed now <laughs> at restaurants. Now are you like, can I please have double filtered water? No, like, what? no, no. Uh, you're one step away from that. It sounds like no, God damn it. 
What are we talking about in After Dark today? Uh, We're going to be talking about HBO's documentary Leaving Neverland and sort of our perceptions of of what we learned in the documentary, also how uh, society is interpreting the documentary, and in particular, our opinions on the roles that the parents played in the abuse of their children. I'm excited. Because we have some we have some differing views. I'm excited to talk about this because the documentary was was sh- so shocking, and yeah, the moms, you know, were a big factor here and how this all went down. So, mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, that will be available over at Patreon.com/slash Millennial. You get benefits like face to face, breaking news, the classics like hashing it out, and After Dark, which is now a part of Mega Millennial. And that's the main show, ad-free, combined with After Dark for nearly two hours of Millennial. It's going to be over two hours this week. You will also get early access to each episode by being able to listen live as we record. You'll get a completely unfiltered version of the show, and you can sound off as we chat via our Discord. Thanks to everybody who is joining us over there tonight. Pat uh, came to the show very prepared. He selected the closing song and the starting point, so there will be no long music intro oh damn (laughs) yeah uh want to remind everybody about our website millennialshow.com recently added a minor feature you can now browse episodes by month somebody had emailed in and said hey how do i get back to the old episodes easily and uh we didn't have a solution so we added a little drop down on the desktop page on the left side you can easily go to any month in the show's history and listen to those episodes. So the website has a complete archive of this podcast. You can also contact us via the contact form there. We also have the confessional. We got a link to the Patreon. We got links to our advertisers and the discount codes and more. Millennialshow.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Pat. Bye, everybody. Bye. It's okay to play Michael Jackson because it's a cover, right? <laughs> That'll it'll go interesting with our discussion as well about like are we still listening to Michael Jackson? That's right? why I chose it. I love it. <laughs> I, I just want to remark, I love how you intro and outro yourself. Like you're just so upbeat. You are. <laughs> I'm Pat. It's so cute.